ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between. Welcome to another episode of the Chaps Chat Cats. My name is Jake, and I'm joined in the Zoom studio by Sambo and Johnny. How the fuck are you, chaps? Fantastic. I will say, <clears throat> sorry, that, that felt like your um, one of your least energetic um, intros. You've done for really? A while. Everything all right? I was happy yes. with the energy level. Let, 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 one minute, one minute. I mean, look, I'm nothing let's, let's if not a professional. Let me have another take at it. That's no, all right. It's all good. I was no, just, no, no, gonna, no. You brought right. no. I'm having. I'm taking another rest. Yeah. You look, you've, ta- you've tabled it, John. You've tabled That's the issue, right. and now we deal with it. I was just I'm making not... sure he's all right because it was a no. bit less energy compared I'm, to other times. I'm, I'm always like, I always appreciate professional criticism particularly when it can help me get better so uh ladies and gentlemen stick with us while we just do take number two <laughs> just one second it's all my fault you can blame me in- ladies and gentlemen boys and girls and everybody in between welcome to another episode of the chat chat cats my name is jake and i'm joined i'm blessed to be joined in the zoom studio by Sambo the Magnificent and John the Tremendous. How are you, chaps? Now, that was too energetic. <laughs> oh, no. I'm not doing a third take. I'm not doing a third. I think, I, think, I think if you do a third one, there'll be a, there'll be a different, different nomenclature from John other than yeah. the John, John the, uh, the Tremendous. <laughs> yeah, right. Might be a couple other choice words in there. I feel uh, like one of them will be uh, starting with a C. Yes. How, how are yeah. you, chaps? Speaking oh, of words. Good. <laughs> Good. Uh, yeah, riding high, loving all this media attention on the cats, but also dreading it. Feeling feeling a real undercurrent of unease at being at being at the top, because there's only one way to go down when you're at the top. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's violently. <laughs> It's like oh, a, a crashing, one, a crashing descent. The one that uh, sort of got me the most nervous was Nick Rerolt coming out, mm. basically saying, "Just hand them the cup." Yeah, like, that's, that's yeah. That, that, that one, that one was that one is, is a little bit putting the jinx on it, and it's a little, yeah. it's a little early. That's a bit a little early point. yet. Um, did you watch the video I just sent you? The Monday means test. I did. I did. Yeah, that was fantastic. I was, I was fully ready for you both, both to say no, and I was going to rip into you. And now I have nothing to say because you both watched it. <laughs> I watched it after I had my dinner. I was watching it on the way to the computer to record this very podcast and Lovely. stuff while fueled, I was in the waiting room. Fueled the fire. I, I liked it. I thought it was a, I thought uh, David King's analysis was accurate and well thought out, but he also wasn't getting ahead of himself the way that Nick Rewald did. He was, yeah, it was very much at the moment. This is this is the scenario right now, and I think that's true. Um, at the end of that, at the end of the Monday means test, they also did their seating, um, and they had they both had Geelong at the top, significant gap, Melbourne, Collingwood, Sydney. Oh, interesting. That's pretty much what I, I would thought, agree. Thought, with except thought, thought it was interesting. Significant. I don't know that. I don't know that I have Collingwood <laughs> yeah. in there, but I think okay. Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah, I'll probably have Sydney definitely over Collingwood. I think there'll be a bit of a more of a gap between the next one. There'll probably be like possibly Fremantle. But yeah, look, there... I would I would have said Fremantle and just a yeah. little little bit of a question mark now, but Definitely. um yeah. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. I I think Collingwood's one of those teams. Collingwood feels a little bit like the Bulldogs to me in terms of like if they if the stars align and they get given a cha- a good chance. Like I mean, obviously the Bulldogs are uh, are lower than on the ladder than Collingwood at the moment, but just I think Collingwood's issues will be early finals. I think will be that experience and that and how they tra- travel through the early finals. But if if Collingwood happen to find themselves in the grand final, I I think they're the kind of hungry mongrel team that could really take that opportunity. <laughs> yeah, but they still have to get there and yeah, they've won eight in a row, but it's not been against. The top teams that they played of well to beat Melbourne. They beat Melbourne. I mean, it's 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 not a it's not a dissimilar eight in a row to ours, is it? No, not really. Some top, some bottom, mostly middle. Yeah, 
<laughs> the only thing was yeah. ours were a bit more impressive, you could say, a bit more demanding than rather scraping through on a, the last like four or five. We're coming. Yeah, that was that was some slightly more convincing convincing wins. I think the thing for me though with Collingwood is that like that was a massive win to me to go on the road, given where they are, first year head coach. Um, you know, a lot of youth in there and it was the youth that stood up like in a cauldron at Adelaide Oval to mm. see them over the line in a seesawing, you know, affair. They're the sort of games that a lot of young teams drop even the week before against yeah. North Melbourne. Um, you know, they went up to the Gold Coast and beat the Gold Coast and Gold Coast, you know, handled Richmond last week. Um so, uh, yeah, look, Collingwood actually do worry me a bit because, for me, any of those teams that play at the MCG worry me because when they get on a run, as we said, the older Melbourne clubs, once they get on a roll, all the bandwagoners come out. You know, yeah. everybody who has a Collingwood scarf is suddenly up and about and they fill mm. that thing um, and... You know, then once they, it dissipates, they paint their mailbox and then they go to the MCG. <laughs> That's right. So, anyway, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves here, chaps. We're here. We we're like the AFL media, getting way far ahead of ourselves. Absolutely. Well, I think I think I think we'll probably contextualize this as we go along. Let's let where, where, where we're where we're at. The cats traveled to the MCG, the terrifying, vast expanse of the MCG, away from the, you know, clearly advantageous, narrow confines of Cadinia Park uh, to take on uh, a, a rising but seesawing Blues team who had gone win-loss, win-loss, win-loss the last six weeks. Um, and as it turns out, chaps, it's not the uh, measurements and dimensions of a football ground that define who wins a game. Uh, it is team structure. It is a total team approach to pressure. And the Cats came away with a convincing 85 to 55 uh, victory. They trailed. Uh, was it the first time they trailed at, at quarter time or the first time since April? I think it was the first time since uh, Queen's birthday or something or mm. no, no Easter Monday, Easter Monday against the Hawks um, that they trailed at quarter time. They, so they trailed by three at quarter time. They led by 17 at the half. Uh, they led by 29 at three quarter time. They win the game by 30. After the first quarter, Carlton were held to four goals six, while the Cats piled on nine goals nine. Uh, a 30-point win, but this could have been 10 goals. Uh, it could have been whatever, really. Geelong, to me, it was Anaconda-like, the way they just slowly strangled Carlton out of the contest. And I think unlike previous Cats teams, uh, this Cats team has developed a really sharp and lightning quick bite. It's not just the strangulation. It is the ability to hit you and puncture you and, uh, yeah, kill off their prey. And that's what they did on Saturday night against Carlton. Uh, your thoughts, chaps? Yeah, I think, I think, I think just quickly on the anaconda by the strangulation. I think the other, the other difference is because that's something we certainly were doing to teams over the last couple of years, but it's also a different mode of suffocation. It's yeah. not, it's not intercept and then do everything to maintain possession. We do maintain possession pretty well. We do intercept pretty well, but we also through, through pressure and our uh, dynamic structure and restructuring off the ball. We make opposition possession fruitless. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's not a, it's not about asking the ball and chip kicking it around and getting uncontested marks. They get possessions, they rack up possessions, and they do nothing with them. So I think it's a much more dynamic and uh, hostile form of form of defense than than previous. So um, yeah, it's it was yeah. a it was probably one of the better examples of of that. I think we've the the North Melbourne game maybe isn't, it was a bit hard to gauge that where we're at really <laughs> the way that the way that, that game went. Um, 
Melbourne was a great sign, of course. And then this one, I feel like was a good middle ground between those two, where it was, we didn't trip up over a, a, a quite strong opposition. Um, and we, we didn't disrespect them either. I think we, we came with our A game um, and used, used everything we needed to use in, in the moment. Uh, I think you, you've said most of what I need to say, apart from specifics, Jake. Lovely. Um, yeah, that was a good game to watch. Um, it started off looking like it was going to be a really tight, hard-fought contest with um, Charlie Kernow getting away and bringing another bag full. But the one thing that really got my eye and really was really impressive for me was out of cats. We're basically happy to let Carlton get the ball in the midfield chip mark, chip mark down the wing in the midfield, whatever, let them do whatever they want. But as soon as they tried to go inside that 50, there was just nothing there for Carlton. It was just a wall of cats of others. Is actually um, Mitch Duncan, Sam DeConing, Zach Guthrie, Jack Henry there to spoil, to mark, and just rebound. And as soon as they rebounded, it was back in our, in the forward line, like lightning. So, yeah, it was, it was just really impressive how they pretty happy for Carlton to have it in that first quarter in the midfield, have their way. And then as soon as that second quarter started, you could just see that you see that strangulation, the pressure by the Cats just ramped up and they had no space to do anything. They had no time to react to the Cats' defensive unit, which was just mm. superb again. And the forward line as well. Like I've never seen a, a contending team look so lost as like, as how Carlton looked on the night. They looked like they didn't know what they were doing most of the time. They had no real plan B. The superstars weren't able to do what they usually do. Like Sam Walsh has been talked up as a future superstar, which I think he most likely will be, but the Cats made him look were pretty average along with Cripps. And yeah, it was just and Mackay, a monstrous yeah. game. Well, and, uh, uh, yeah. I was going to say, like, um, just on the point of, you know, um, I think you said this, Sam, so I'll sort of go to you to expand on it, but that idea of Geelong sort of, you know, relentlessly pressuring, but then being okay to to allow the Blues to have possession, but only in innocuous parts of the field. Like, that's sort of how it played out. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of that's due to, you know, the, the dudes that are getting a lot of attention in the media now, you know, Blixarves and Atkins and even Cameron and Smith, these, these athletes we have. And I think our movement off the ball is one of the key things um, to get an out number, to get people back. Um, and I think when we structure in such a way to force them out wide, but oh, that's, weird. <laughs> that's structure. Um <laughs> We, it's, I think that's I think it's four or five for me already tonight. Um, <laughs> when we when you when you set it up such a way to, to force them wide, what it set what up them? Well, set up the structure such a way. Um, <laughs> it it allows. And I mean, we already have these athletic, fast, incredibly um, fit like the these endurance and speed athletes um, in our team. Uh, but we're making the job easier for them because we're providing them time to get into the positions they need by allowing the opposition to have possessions in their in their back half, in their back fifty, yeah. um, just outside their fifty, out wide. Um, and you could see sometimes it looked a little bit like cats weren't going that hard. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, is this are they are they a little bit flat here? And I realized it's because of how good the structure is. <laughs> um, that they're allowed, they're able to shift position and get where they need to be very casually because they're doing it before they need to be there. They're reading it and reacting and, and, inact and enacting plans. Um, so sometimes you see Smith jogging around at about 35% speed. He looks like he's heading off the ground, but actually he was shifting position to cover what needed to be covered. Um, I would say I haven't seen a football team do it. That would be inaccurate because I don't really watch many other football teams that are other than Geelong. So I'll say I haven't seen Geelong do it this way for a while where we're not playing slow and possession, but we're not playing frantic either. It's hard and fast, but we're allowing ourselves time and space. You know, you don't have to chase the ball like an absolute dog. 
if you just get where it's going before it's even there. And then you, you either get the intercept or you've cut off the option and they have to go somewhere else. Yeah. That was and most of the time, the cats just cut off the option by the time the Blues are ready to move forward. And there was a silver medals, I think it was early in the first quarter or midway through the first quarter. And I think the Blues are on a bit of a run. And uh, I was on the wing and looking inside that 50, I was like, there was, I think, a blue, absolutely plum free. I think it was Kerr now, free in the side of 50, just standing there waiting for the ball. And if the guy had gone when he went, he would have got a Kerr Charlie Kerr you know, basically front, straight in front of goal, easy goal. But he took that much, that so long to get the ball there. Or I don't think he even passed it to him in the end, but yeah, just felt like he jab it in wasn't, yeah, he just wasn't confident that passing it to Kernow at that point would result in him getting the mark. And I think that's down to the structure of the Cats, just having that perceived pressure that out of nowhere, a Cats defender is going to come over and spoil it and it's going to go back yeah. the other way. So that was a big moment for me. I've seen that clear option not being used and then trying to jab it short and it still being turned over. That was, that was pretty yeah. good for the Cats. I, I think that was like the moment, wasn't it, where that they had... Um... Kernow, like, it, like, it was a two-on-one with Jack Henry yeah. on the shore, was basically caught at the yeah. top of the square between... And I was going, holy crap, if he kicks it now, yeah. like, it's a sure mark and goal. And he waited and waited and then grabbed it in short. I think it was DeConing floated in and grabbed the short jab kick. Um, yeah. I had a note in the second quarter watching this game, um, but how Geelong were able to use... So they'd be putting Carlton under pressure up the middle as they're trying to come out. And so Carlton had to go backwards, back into their 50 to reset. And what I noticed was, you know, sometimes the hand pass comes back and the the attacking team chases them back inside the 50. But Geelong didn't. The hand pass went back and you saw Geelong's players spread wide. Because it's almost Carlton's- more of a um more of a European football. Yeah, style. I do yeah. remember seeing another one like that when Carlton went for a switch, mm. and the commentators got, "Oh, the Carlton's going for a switch. This is going to be work out brilliantly." And all I saw was just a wall of cats moving up, and I'm going, "Well, the switch hasn't worked because the cats are already there." Yeah, and it's, it's possible. And you're forgoing that thing of like, "Oh, we have to have a couple of guys, you know, absolutely chase backwards at them," or instead, no, you peel off on the players that are trying to peel off and provide space. And so suddenly they've gone backwards to gain territory, but instead they've gone backwards and now they're trapped even further back because ever mm. that press is set up, you know, ahead of them again. Um, and I thought it led to, you know, later in the game as well, uh, Carlton just second guessing everything. There was a moment, yeah. I think it was in the third might have actually even been just before half time if I'm thinking which way they were attacking. You know, Carlton were attacking, you know, to the left of screen. A guy gets it, has a teammate run past into space, and you see him go to kick it and then doesn't and suddenly looks up and there's no one to kick to. And I think it ends up leading to a turnover. And it was just like that the pressure and the structure that the Cats brought absolutely. Like, I, I don't know about you boys, but back-to-back weeks, or not so much back-to-back, I guess. Do we play the Ds last week? Was it last week we played the Demons? Yeah, it's last week. It was. It Holy was. crap. Back-to-back weeks, two matches where I felt like Geelong have been pretty much in control for like 85% of combined game time. Like, and and... The only time where I felt like the Blues were a real threat was the back end of the first quarter. They kicked three goals in a row, and you went, oh, maybe if they get up and about here. But thereafter, it was all Geelong. That's when I sent um, a brother-in-law a text message. He's a big Carlton supporter going, oh, this is going to be a good game. Mm. Then talk to the end of the 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 game. It was like, that's, yeah. Like, I think it was halfway through the last quarter. It was like, it's over. It's like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. just. Far too, just far too good in the end. And, it, and I think it's all going right too. Um, I'm sure a lot of it is intentional. Some of it might not be. 
but it's it's similar elements we saw earlier in the year when we were bestowing the virtues of this side and the potential of them uh, and sort of, you know, um, encouraging a bit of patience from fans for it, for it to all come together. Um, because things like controlling a game for 75, 80% of the game is stuff we've been doing all year. But the problem was we weren't damaging enough earlier in the year with, with that 80% of control. And we weren't effective enough at defending during their minuscule 20% of, I mean, how many games earlier in the year did we just scrape a win by or even lose despite afterwards saying, well, we played pretty well for most of the game. (laughs) I think think we said that about three or four times. Yeah. Yeah. you could see. I remember, I remember, I remember uh, Ben on the hoop saying as well in some of his reviews going, it's really bizarre to come away feeling like we, outplay the opposition again but lost and i think this is so it's it's similar elements um we're just putting them together in a better order too we're finishing strong we're not starting as strong but i think we're saving ourselves and finishing stronger as well um and we're allow- we're allowing that push for the opposition a little bit earlier yeah because we know that so earlier it was the third quarter earlier in the year and that was late enough in the game that they, the opposition would get a real sniff. They'd go, we've got enough time to come back. And it's late enough that if we come back, they won't have enough time to come back. Um, over the last three, four weeks, I reckon you would notice a trend of the opposition's strongest moments being the end of the first and the first half of the second quarter. Um, yeah, that's, that's and, and again, this well. could all be completely fluke but i'm going to assume it's genius and that they're <laughs> and that this is part of the plan as that they're say, actually a, it, yeah. is this part of the like huge master like brand plan that scott and the coaching panel set out at the start of the year it was like we'll start like this we'll start with our defensive unit sort of let them get it to a really strong start let them come back in the third they'll get used to that and then we can just swap it around it could be up. it could be or it, it could be intentional but but slightly less intentional in terms of reading what this the the data they're getting of the teams whether what we've got and then make a push and sometimes we haven't done enough enough damage and they're coming back in the third and kind of allowing not allowing is it's is, is a strong word so i'm not saying we go ah just let them kick four i'm not, like it's not it's not, not to the, that degree but you, you use team yeah you use a certain degree of the tricks in your bag and energy and whatnot for a certain period of the game and then and then bring bring the rest of them at a certain point and i I just think at the moment we're kind of starting a little hot and then seeing how the opposition responds yeah and but we're just doing it earlier so that when we we can then respond with enough time to then put the cushion on in the second half of the game rather than come out, blitz them, kick eight goals and then have nothing left and just hanging on for dear life for the, another three quarters. <laughs> yeah. As I was alluding to in the uh, general thoughts at the start, I was, I was, I was just back that up with um, back what you're saying with how it started off with Carlton, as we said, Carlton got off to a really good start in that end of the second, end of the first and start of the second where they seem to be really, really going really well. And then you just saw that pressure slowly mount up. And then it just got insane amounts of pressure on the blues. And yeah, just definitely backs up what you're saying there, Sam. And I think that's 100% true. Um, it's hard to argue. And I've definitely noticed over the last few weeks. So I think you can hit the nail on the head because I definitely noticed this week that that pressure just kept getting building and building as the second quarter went on. And the, the, probably the cohesion in our back line too, as we see, as we see what they're bringing, where we're maybe able to, you know, I, I think we did pretty well in defense, but I think a lot of that was getting used to what they're bringing and adjusting how we were responding. So I, I, I had a note in pretty much every quarter um, written down, uh, which was Myers, Close, Stengel, Atkins, seem to be at literally every contest. At least one yeah. of them, if not two, it felt like. Um, it, it was just insane. 
yeah and, and that look that like the stats um you know back that up in terms of Atkins led the ground with 33 pressure act grind Myers and Brad Close shared second spot with 26 as Mark Blixarves had 25 um Stengel had 18 uh, I just thought that it I haven't it's hard to remember a time when Geelong had those sort of smaller players you really I think do have to go back to like 2007 where you might have had like your Shannon Burns and um you know yeah Matty Stokes and Christensen did it for a while and Max Rook like there were those players that were just ferocious with their pressure. I don't feel like that's been a massive part of our game the last, say, 10 years since the last flag. And suddenly we've got it. We've got this fleet of just insane pressurizing players. Like they're everywhere. And we've got them in, yeah, we've not only got those dudes, but we've got their equivalent at either end as well. Like it's yeah. almost it's almost like Rowan is just that player. It's just that he plays in the forward fifty. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's not even yeah. he's not even really there to kick kick goals. It'd be, you know, I would love it if he got one or two a game. But some of his chase down tackles and second efforts were yeah. immense. Yeah. Um, and and then Tui as well. In the fur, further back, I think he he like it's yeah. I think we've we've sort of got our our chase and tackle dudes all in all positions. Um, which is certainly something we've never had. We've had some pillars of them, and it's been all on them to do it all. <laughs> yeah, I really liked his game. Just going to him, I thought that was. He just seemed like a predator, just prowling on that half back line. And they could not make a tackle stick. I think he got caught one. I think it was a holding ball one time, um, but he he smashed through about six of them. Yeah, and he just it was it was like he was a goalkeeper. <laughs> I would say he was a goalkeeper. For an entire half mm. of the field, basically, he, nothing was getting past him. If it did get past him, he still had Sam DeConin to get past, or Zach Guthrie to get past, or Jack Henry. And then the rest of the team that had flooded back already, it was just, yeah, it was such a great game to watch and one that, I don't know, just boost that confidence to another level up, especially after last week and this week combined. That, confidence is getting higher that leads sort of starting to get a bit looser on there excitement as well but uh, it's it's um good confidence and it's hard to see how, uh, from these last few games it's like who's going to be able to beat the cats in the next like five weeks before finals and uh, you know it's do we want to go in to the finals on an unbeaten run of such a great magnitude or not really? Do we want to, <laughs> yeah, I think it wanna, it's struggled, but I don't think we want to have a game like last year going into the finals where we went down to Melbourne on the last kick. I think that's, I don't think we need that, but I think we need something else. I think it's all like just a bit like, you you have to take it week by week, don't you? Because you could go, well, if we have another five games like the last two, then yeah, you'd take that. You know, in a Absolutely. way, if you, if you like control the next five weeks and, and, you know, throttle people and your game style is in peak condition, like that sort of has, I mean, 2007 worked in that way, except for we, we all, we did lose, I think the second last game of the season to put to Port Adelaide. They kicked hmm. literally a goal with three seconds left down at KP after we'd come back from miles back. The cat surged back to hit the front with a great Gary Ablett goal. You know, then we lost, and it was almost like you did need that little sting to remind you after what was it, thirteen or fourteen games they'd won on the trot. Do, do you think like it's tough? Like, because I, I get where you guys are coming from. Like, you don't want to. I think it's it's well. Here's here's the th here's the thing though. I would like it. if we can go undefeated into the finals, but all the games feel different. Yes, yeah. That's my 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 issue. If all the games, because Melbourne and Carlton look very similar, those two games, those two wins, and that's great from our point of view in terms of what we're doing is working. But I would like to see before finals someone bring something completely different. 
if someone yeah. if we see three different style wins in amongst those that run home, I or like so so three style wins, so two extra style wins where someone brings something different and at half time, Chris yeah. Scott has to go, okay, Blix, you're dropping back now, you're going back to the role you used to play because we need you there, blah, 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 like move it around, completely different style. That would make me feel really good because that's what's going to happen in the finals, just because it's finals and shit happens. Like, if we, yeah. if every week looks like this, I'll start going, what are we going to do the <laughs> first time someone does something different? Yeah. <laughs> like, are we just not going to know how to roll with it? Um, well, not that we wouldn't, but just as a fan, it would make me more confident if I was like, shit, we won that. That one was an absolute shootout, and we won that one 130 yeah. to 110. <laughs> like, you know, like... That's what I think most people are expecting a Carlton game to be. Mm. It's a big shootout. Yeah. But Don't you think teams too could be smarter? Like, I I think that's one thing teams get. I think Geelong's pressure actually makes teams make dumb decisions. Like yeah. there was so no, much absolutely. lump lumping the ball down on Geelong's backline, which you can't do. We feed on that, even without Tom Stewart. The times, and I made this note in I think it was the first quarter. Um. The Cats got caught out a few times when a player, they were set up to defend the long ball and the player just chipped it in short to someone on a chest mark. And and if I was a coach against the Cats, that's one thing I'd be saying is do not under, you know, virtually any circumstances, don't just blaze away. Be patient because they want you to kick it long so they can turn you over and go straight back down. Um, That would be my thoughts yeah definitely that short kick definitely worked in their favor and that was the thing on the and when it did work it worked really well but unfortunately for the blues they weren't able to capitalize on the very few chances that they got the balls in that way but yeah that's definitely one thing that i think could be looked at for the cats is not everyone just dropped back um when they're the opposition's going forward because you know they are going to have those free players break free. But I think that was a definitely a good plan against Carlton because they had the same like really two good big forward line players in Kurnow and Harry McKay who mm. like big marks above their heads. So it definitely works against Carlton. I'm not sure how well it would work against Port Adelaide because they're going to have a lot of smaller forwards, a lot more nimble forwards. So I think. I think Sydney I think too is the one yeah. that I I think would be yeah we may need to duck and weave a little bit with our strategy. Yeah, <laughs> I think it works against Carlton that pullback, but I think they need to they'll definitely have to rethink it against Port Adelaide because they only don't just bombing in there; they're pretty direct trying to get into the small forwards because they don't have those massive forward line players. They've got Charlie Dixon, mm. but not many other big names line um, key forwards in the team so but with the with the work we're doing around the uh the clearances at the moment um yeah i don't i don't yeah yeah it's even like i don't know yeah that's, even teams that don't like kicking along probably start feeling like they have to <laughs> that's what as jake was saying that that's what felt like carlton just ended up having to do because the pressure was that immense. It was like we, they don't have time. They don't have the um, knowledge that they've got the free time to actually compose themselves and do that short kick. All they know is, all they, all they could be thinking is, there's a Cats player right behind me. I've got to get this forward. Or otherwise, I'm going to get caught holding the ball. So mm. that midfield, applying that pressure, that's just another element on top of the defence, isn't it? They were cooked by the last quarter, Carlton. Like I made a note of like there's just no there's no attacking instinct left. They they've felt on the back foot all night. They don't their their first instinct. It's it's like in um you know, when you're watching NFL and you know, there'll be a primary route. A primary I don't. Re- Okay, well like so you might have four <laughs> part you know, as a quarterback you've got four passing options and you've got a primary and then from there you have a secondary, a third, a fourth, whatever. The cats had taken away all whatever Carlton wanted to do as a primary mode of attack. 
Geelong had taken it away. And so their first instinct was shot. So they're now thinking on oh, my second option, oh, maybe that's gone. The third option's gone. And yeah, by the end of the night, they looked kind of fried, I thought. Yeah. They weren't in sort their of... instincts. They, there was no attack from them. It was all kind of just defensive, try, trying to have that a defensive great. effort. It was kind of cruel of what the Cats did to Charlie Kernow. They gave him a sniff, gave him three big goals in that first <laughs> quarter and gone, we'll give you a sniff of the big night, we'll let you have your fun. But now that stops. And that's like their first instinct is go to Charlie Kernow. If he doesn't mark, he's going to get it out the back. The Cats let him do that three times. <laughs> he got the ball out the back and got a goal. And then I didn't see him for the rest of the night. After that yeah. first first quarter, yeah. it was just yeah. I've I forgot he was there. It was immense. I think, I think he got maybe got a cheap one late, but it was. I thought yeah. Deconing on Mackay. He um on the night Deconing had six contested defensive one on ones, which was the next closest person had three, um, and Deconing only lost one of those six, uh. Mackay went goalless on the night. First time uh, since round nine, two thousand and twenty, he's gone goalless. It's fucking insane. It's <laughs> insane. And I, I love. Did, uh, did you boys catch it at the end of the, the final siren when De Koning's walking off? Yeah. The siren goes, and he goes fuck yeah or whatever it was yeah. that he that he yelled. Definitely that's, fuck yeah. Don't you think that that's a, a bit of that's a good sign. That's a good sign oh. to see from one. Young guys in the hoops to have that amount of passion and you know, joy from a big win over your brother. That's it's good. You you don't want him going just you know walking off going yeah that's a good win. You yeah. want that emotion coming out because you know they're in for the long haul. Don't you think he strikes you as one of those dudes though, like Matthew Scarlett, who will be keeping a list of all the forwards he plays on. And he, he yeah. wants to he wants to take all of them. He wants to take their soul. That's yeah, how he seemed, I feel. And he seems he seems pretty pretty hard on himself, as we has said earlier in his development that he yeah he got down on himself. And I think I think he's starting to get that phase now where that's an asset, not a liability. He's hard on himself, and so he works hard instead of being hard on himself and giving up because he didn't get one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, what did you? Lads, think of Blixarves on Crips. I'll, I'll give you the stats, and then oh. you can sort of follow on. We might so... find out when I do my votes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so Crips on uh, the se season, and and Blixarves was pretty much went with him all night at center mm -hmm. bounces and stuff. Crips averages twenty seven disposals this season, and he had seventeen on Saturday night. He averages seven clearances a game, and he had four on Saturday night. Did um did David King was that the stat that David King said that was his lowest in fifty seven yep. games? Lowest disposals of the year, lowest contested disposals in fifty five games. I think. Okay. What else was something else was the lowest as well? Mm. There was like three of mm. Patrick Cripps. Like I think it was Marks. Yeah, his lowest marks of the year as well yeah. against success. Yeah, he's um, he's incredible. Like, yeah, uh, again, I feel like this is one of those kind of <laughs> flukish moments for us in terms of how long we've defended him being in the side, but we didn't really know what what he was going to look like. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sitting here going, <laughs> "See, I told you all. This is how he could play." I didn't know that. <laughs> I, knew, yeah. I knew, I knew, like I, I wanted him in the side, and we always, you know, were really positive about what he brought to the side. Um, but this is, um, it's next level, and I don't know, I don't know how long they've known about this ability, and they've just been able to get him there, or if this is just something that happened by kind of happenstance. <laughs> And so, or if it's if they'd known and and just with uh, Deconing coming in has freed him up to now do this for them. Um, I'm I not sure, but it's it's incredible. A bit of second option and the third option. I think the third option it's um, Deconing 
mm. I'm being an aside, is definitely freed Blitz to play the way he does. And I think that's the best. He's having like a outstanding year. And it's got to be hard to, it's, it's got to be hard for him not to win the John Best and Fairest. I think mm. it's got to be someone, I don't know who could beat him. And maybe he's Cameron. already won it twice. Maybe if Stuart, maybe if Stuart had played. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, but he's, he's, he's won it in, <laughs> in that way of like nobody else around the competition rates him Yeah, no. or rate, rated him until the last few weeks. And it was always a little bit like when, you know, you, we'd win best and fairest as a goalkeeper playing for Benalla soccer, soccer club, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, but is this really a good sign? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, and that's kind of because uh, Blix is so much more defensive. That's kind of what it was. It was almost winning it through sheer um, de- just endurance of how much he had to do. Whereas he's so versatile now. Like you could, um, again, like as the media has been saying it, they he tags someone and then it doesn't matter where they go to try and shake him. He's going to, like, if they drag him into the four, into, you know, his back 50, he's all Australian level <laughs> defensively. And then if they're going to drop back and drag him forward, he can, he can kick goals and he can outmark almost anyone. Yeah. Um, and then he can, he can, he can run and he can tackle and he can cut you out of it. Um, and he's, he's got a phenomenal kick and a read of the game as well. So he's kind of gone from being, one of our stalwarts, almost like another Tom Stewart, kind of like just keeping us in the game to being someone that is winning us games. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's hard to imagine what the team would be like without Blitz mm. in it at the moment. Like you don't, it's, you don't seem to a lot with the ball like um, throughout a game, but when he does have that ball, it's, it's always, positive it's always going forward it's always attacking it's not going really backwards unless mm. he absolutely has to but it's and- always just going forward at pace he's always running he's always you always seem around the ball as an option if needed it's just what he's able to do is just incredible mm. and he's like you, you know what he's doing, like all those things you're talking about, John, you, you know it's invaluable when we lose Tom Stewart and they're still not drop, dropping him back into a, yeah. into, <laughs> you know, and, and that also speaks to the depth of, you know, talent and the other guys we've got, the Duncan is kind of, yeah. you know, because it's not even Sam DeConing or Henry playing this Tom Stewart role that you would think it would be. They're doing their own thing and Duncan's playing the Stewart role and then you've got Zach Guthrie in there. Also defending like a demon. I think the, the most out, the most um, polarizing thing from last year, or well, Stuart this year, mm-hmm. is just a trust that the coaches seem to have in that defensive unit. That sure, Tom Stewart's gone for four weeks. They know he's gone for this long. We're not going to drop blitz back because they don't think they need to, and they definitely don't. There's just that absolute trust that this young. Defensive units going to be absolutely fine without Stuart there. And tell you what, it's it's going to be fantastic once he comes back because that's just another like another Zach Tui, Jack Henry, Sam DeConing, all wrapped up in one player. You've got to get past. Mm. Well, that's that's, that's the that's... thing that we talked about last week was that it, it was never about you know trying to approach fixing the Tom Stewart absence with one player was never going to happen. They've given the kicking, the bringing it out from defensive 50 is Mitch Duncan. They've let um, DeConing um, and Henry and Guthrie share between them the responsibility of intercepting um, possession. You know, Tui's dropped back at times. So you've got Duncan and Tui's leadership down there. So it's like you've filled that one role that Stewart does with, the, the skill sets of different players. Um, it's crazy to and think. And Duncan, Duncan's pretty handy at intercepting as well when he, yeah. When he needs. Yeah. Like he's, yeah. He's, yeah. Like yeah. all those players that you mentioned, all of them are, class, are A-class interceptors. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't 
if I see one of them going up for the mark, I'm 99% sure that they're going to take that mark. And and last year we we lost Tom Stewart and we really only had Henderson and Henry. Yeah. To to like as uh, that that could that could fill it in. So we had to put you know you had to drop Blicks back a lot more than we probably wanted to. Um, especially if we knew that this is what we wanted him to bring this to the side. You know, if the if the coaching group knew that, yeah. Um, they were clearly having to do it. But yeah, whether they did know that and they just weren't able to use it, and now they can, uh, we we won't really know. <laughs> Um, I definitely felt like they set up a plan after last year for if Stuart does go out, what's the plan? Mm-hmm. And the plan is Sam DeConing to come in and to stick him on and trust that he'll. And so then Joel Salwood said, "Ah, Tommy, we don't even need you. Go, 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 take out pressure." <laughs> yeah, where's that lip reader? Um, yeah, he's out. Richmond don't win if he's in. That's right. You got to take it. The only difference. I I (laughs) thought that another little telling thing, like in terms of the side, like coming of age, was Max Holmes converting a set shot, Zach Guthrie converting set shot. Like those are moments you don't feel as confident about last year. Max Holmes, Max Holmes in general, just was just his decision making. And not only his decision making, but the trust from his teammates, like the some of the positions that they gave him ball in was yeah. you know, you're kinda like you just expected that to be Selwood, Guthrie, or Dangerfield. You're like, oh it's Holmes. Oh, it's Holmes again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holmes ripping the ball out of the Melbourne player on a boundary and just passing it perfectly to Guthrie to slot of goals. Yeah. Holmes busting through three or four Carlton players and just burning them. Absolutely streaking through it at top speed. Oh, that was the hair just blowing <laughs> in the wind. It was like, oh my, this guy. As we said, we saw it coming last year. Yes. We all saw it coming and we were all super excited. And it's just fantastic to see it happen so quick. I'm and very aroused. It's good that his time on the sidelines this year didn't seem to hold him up too much either. I just love the yeah. self confidence he's got about himself. That, mm. that is, you can just see it every time he gets the ball. He just, just looks like he's smiling, having the time of his life. Yeah. And I think he is. God, it's so, it's so hard though. Like, I've still probably got like 10, 15, like, sort of players you could mention. Like, I, I was really watching Mark O'Connor um, this week, and I feel like I do understand why he's in the side because he laid an absolute monster tackle at the start mm. of the game. He laid an absolute monster tackle at the end of the game. I can't remember who it was. A Carlton player got the ball, tried to stiff arm him in the center square, and he mauled the Carlton player yeah. and won a holding the ball. He's also doing a lot of work directing traffic. He was a player mm. who I you know, watched. He gives yeah. a lot of direction and helps things set up. So it's not a surprise to me that he's in that leadership group. I feel like he just does, he doesn't do anything exceptionally, but he does pretty much everything quite well sort of thing. Yeah. Like like he's a very able football player who's, you know, not super deficient in any in any sort of regards. And I, I have a feeling that there's sort of more those less tangible things like his on-field leadership that the Cats probably really rate. Um, the one though, I think that you guys will probably want to weigh in on. I, I really like. I've got full like, um, love heart goggles for Reese Stanley after that game. Oh, just going back to O'Connor thing. Oh yeah, sure. And yeah. did chat about that on the PlayStation after the game, and both like that was a good game by O'Connor, and that's just another player that. You, is there a question mark of who is going to be dropped now? Is it still going to be oh, O'Connor? It's going to be the. It's, it's so tough. And now Grian Myers, Grian Myers, O'Connor, both the guys we brought up last week, going probably not holding a spot in the best 22. Well, they both had really good games this week. So just. Fucking poor old, poor old, poor old Dalehouse is going to have a real tough time cracking back in. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I, I yes, Stanley, Stanley was good. <laughs> apart from um, Thomas Stewart coming straight back in, it's I've, even Parfit. It's like who 
do we get rid of bringing Parfit, Dalhouse, possibly Sean Higgins, all these other players? Like, I think that's one he thing goes yeah. done somehow. Yeah. I think that's all she wrote. It's a headache. I'm glad I don't have to think of that for uh, a week like the yeah, coaches. Yeah, I think, I think Higo, Dalhouse, and Narkel are all probably for something else. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Not that I not that I dislike them all. I just think no. the reality of how, how the year is because this felt like a make or break year for like especially yeah. like Narkel, um, and the way things have shaped up as we've said. I just don't really see. And now with Atkins just absolutely dominating every midfield game, you can't drop him out of that midfield. <laughs> There's no way. That's what's made it so hard. Is just the development, which is what you want. Someone put yeah. this on like who comes out to get Parfit back in. It's like these are the problems you want. You want it to be difficult Absolutely. to decide who to play. Um, and it probably, if anything, has illustrated that we have lacked more depth than I've thought the last few years. Like the fact that these absences of like Stuart, um, you know, Parfit or whoever they might be, might have really, you know, gouged our chances in years gone by. And yet this year we've actually, it's actually hard to work out who the best 22 is. I don't feel like that's a problem we've had in a while. It's, no. Yeah. But I mean, it takes, you know, it takes time to do, even, you know, people playing saying, blood the youth, blood the youth. It takes time to do that. So we yeah. have had youth. It's just like, you know, that's what Chris Scott was saying when he was asked about Sam Tacone. You know, he was like, he's an overnight success that take that's taken us three years of development. Imagine like, if they did <laughs> Sam Tacone in the first year. Exactly. Yeah. We'd be where he is now. I doubt it. He would have maybe had a breakout first year, then struggled. Yeah, and and maybe not even had the breakout first year. Maybe would have been absolutely outbodied by everyone, learnt nothing, and confidence got, gotten gotten over it and left the game, or yeah. being been traded, or <laughs> dropped back, dropped back down, and just been happy in the in the twos or whatever. Like it's a, you know, and I think last year when people talked about our depth, I think we were positive. We were pretty positive about this year about the yeah. talent we had coming through and so if you look at the year before it makes sense that we wouldn't have necessarily known because all these guys that were developed last year and are now <laughs> bearing fruit this year would yeah. have ju just been on the radar the previous year um that was definitely Atkins was on the radar yeah close close Holmes Guthrie but even those younger guys like SDK like they would have so clearly the cats, you know, know of these people <laughs> and they're working on these things. Um, but they, you can't just grab them as soon as you want them and just chuck them on the field and, and, and win a flag. Um, and if you've got other guys like Selwood, et cetera, that can pretend that could potentially win a flag. Why would you yeah. not be trying to get a flag while also developing these guys? And then you have a year like it last year that doesn't quite come off, but then you got a year like this year where those guys are still around some of them and, the young guys that you've been developing are now ready for the for the big leagues. So, yeah, oh my, it's it's great. It's, it's so it's, hard. Like it's such a good spread of players. Like you go back, you like talk I, about Stanley at all. Sorry, Jake. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> no, we can. We, I'm sure. I think we, no, I think, we, I think it's all I think right. I all I wanted to really say was I I just thought he had a great game. I thought that he's playing I, career best footy. He had 26 hitouts, 14 touches. Um, two marks, laid a tackle, three clearances, kicked a goal. Uh, I was just going to see what his like pressure and all that sort of thing was at. Put 14 say, pressure act, four spoils, kicked the ball pretty awfully. <laughs> Actually, his kicking efficiency was horrible. It was like 16.7% kicking efficiency, so it was pretty dog, dog ugly in that sense. But he still got a brilliant goal. The, the goal was beautiful. The goal was beautiful. That was we the 16%. Yeah. We should but, do um, some <laughs> some votes. Sorry, Johnny, go. But I will we should say, do some I votes. will agree with you on Stanley. That I think the last month, or since the bye, he's definitely played some of his best football with Blitz helping as, out. As we've said, like, time and again, if it was Gorn or um, Nick Nat with these numbers, with these kinds of games, you you would not hear the end of it. Yeah, everyone everyone be, like, bestowing the virtues, but Stanley just doesn't get a look in in general media for some reason. And for some, I, I have a feeling he prefers that. He seems one of those guys that's like, I don't want the spotlight. 
yeah let me just do my job and go back to my family in the country and enjoy this at the time out of the spotlight uh, yeah i really think he's one of those guys that's pretty happy just to fly under the radar do his job and win games for the cats this was the hardest week of votes for me I literally yeah like, I feel like I feel I like we will end up having crossover just because we all think so similarly but it's also yeah. got potential for us to all pick three different people because it was such a team effort like I was gonna say I'm not gonna be surprised at all if we're completely different but whatever we pick I think every player deserve I think it was I was gonna say I think this week I would be happy just go Borderline midfield and uh, defense. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I really didn't think anyone had a bad game. No, I, well, no. I thought Danger looked like he might have had a few quaaludes, oh, yeah. maybe before. Yeah, Danger looked like, a bit. <laughs> a bit off. He's a little bit off. Danger but... had that shrimp again. He went back to the same <laughs> restaurant. It's like I know I was crook, but fuck, that was good shrimp. <laughs> like um, when he goes to the quickie mart and. Gets poison from shrimp and goes back. <laughs> yeah, it's the same shrimp again. Danger's eating the shrimp off the floor down at, <laughs> down at Smorgies. Those were the days. I just going... made a breach long hard there, Sam. I know. <laughs> one one vote to Sam DeConing for the job he did on Harry Mackay. I uh, just thought he was exceptional. We've discussed all the reasons why. So one vote to Sam DeConing. Um, I'm giving two votes to Tom Adkins. He leads the pressure act for like the whatever week in a row. I don't, I don't actually know what the official thing is, but it feels like at least for the last month and a half, every time I've looked up that stat, he's led it. He had 33 pressure acts. He had 17 touches, kicked a beautiful goal, roving the pack, uh, eight tackles, which was game high. Uh, his disposal efficiency has improved up closer to sort of 80%. Um, even I think his kicking efficiency was up on what it has been uh, the last few weeks as well. 11 defensive half pressure acts. So he was incredible, but I, I can't look past the guy who should be absolutely considered a superstar, the competition over. And that's Mark Blixarbs, who is fucking phenomenal. Not only does he tag Patrick Cripps, essentially, like out of the game. He has 20 touches himself, four marks, five tackles, eight hitouts, five clearances. Um, and we're we're still going here. He he had um four score involvements, a tackle inside 50, went at 85% disposal efficiency, eleven of his 20 touches were contested. He ranked fourth in pressure acts for the cats with 25 and went at 83% by foot also had the most no. defensive half pressure act for the cats I can't, up, so we three. i i literally remember an episode of the pod last year when we felt like when when we discussed the calls to drop blicks or stanley i remember that being a thing we were like yeah. what do we do do we keep both these guys in the side? <laughs> 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 yeah. yes yes the answer the answer was yes at the time and i'm glad that was the answer because um, <laughs> we, Johnny... we don't look stupid Johnny, what do you want? Right, what do you vote? One vote, SDK. Same reasons. Yep. I'm going a bit controversial here, I feel, but I'm giving two votes to Mark Blitzavs. <laughs> and my three, my three, I'm going to the uh, obvious choice. I'm giving my three to Joel Selwood. Oh, I thought yeah, this was good. just a yeah. fantastic game, but it's captain, a captain's game, I felt. Mm. Um, he had what 25 disposals, yeah, nine yeah. marks, four tackles, kicking efficiency was 80 percent, uh, contested possessions, eight, two goals, assists, 10 score involvements. Yeah, it was just a 19 pressure acts, 392 meters gain. Yeah, that's what it was just a yeah. great, brilliant game, desperate game by Selwood. He led the charge with the pressure and the desperation to get the ball and I thought they fell in behind him and took on his leadership yet again as they have every single game yeah can't argue with you there Johnny what about you Sambo uh, my one vote is going to the much maligned by me 
uh, Grind Myers. I I really <laughs> feel like he 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 deserves some votes. Like as I said, everyone around the ground. I really would like to have given some to Zach Zach Tui. The the one vote was down to Tui and Myers for me. Um, but you know, no one's talking about Myers, of course, in the in the in the papers or on Twitter or anything really. But like that was that was really good. I have no questions about why he's in the side now. And that was my that was the thing before the game. <laughs> O'Connor and Myers are they the ones to drop and Myers I just thought his kick let him down maybe twice that weird fucking kicking action <laughs> but apart apart from that he still had a lot of really good disposals and I thought his pressure and coverage of the ground was just like elite like it was at the level of close who probably should actually get the votes because <laughs> close is kind of the gold standard for that in the in the side at the moment but yeah. um yeah, yeah I just I thought Myers I was really impressed with Myers and you know, it's going to be rare for him to get votes because of the kind of player he is. So I thought I'd I'd give him the one. Nice. Uh, my two are going to Tom Atkins, for the reason mentioned prior, and my three are going to Mark Blixard. Beautiful. Nice. I love that. Yeah, look, I'm glad Grian got votes. I'm glad Selwood got votes because they were both mm-hmm. players that I had considered and I just, yeah, I had to go with with my gut in the end um, and, and do the three that I had, but I I was really hoping you guys would have them in your votes. Um, So Mark Blixarv's, sorry, you go. No, you go. Mine was off topic. Go. Okay. Blixarv's extends his lead at the top of our voting tree to five points. He's on 44 votes. Second place, Tom Atkins with 39. Um, Atkins has picked up a ridiculous amount of votes in the last, say eight weeks it's just insane he has he two vote yet since uh one um, week in in week 15 he missed votes but apart from that he's uh, been ooh. he's had votes in every week uh-huh. since week nine um five votes further back is jeremy cameron on 34 three votes further back than that is joel selwood on 31 and still in fifth place on 27 votes, despite not having played the last three weeks, is Tom Stewart. So that's our top five there. Um, all right. Any last thoughts before we sign the fuck off? Just just quickly, though, I mentioned, I thought the two-week suspension was pretty harsh um, for the concussion on, on Menegola. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Maybe, maybe a week, just because we're trying to stamp out head contact. Um, but it was one of those tackles where it was there at the start, and then because he's you know tackling, your body's yeah. bored, you're holding on to the player. It's not much else. And he didn't. Really he, I mean, you you probably didn't need to sling him the way you did. Yeah. But I I think. But he was trying to keep the ball, which he thought was in Menegola's hands. He was trying to keep that in out of the boundary, right? Because he was trying to catch yeah. him holding the ball, not let them rush it over. Um, so that's probably the element that is intentional there that he didn't have to swing him like that. But beyond that, I think it's like, he wasn't to know he didn't have the ball and it, it was just, it was just a tackle. I just thought I'd add that quickly. Cause I think we, we would complain about it if it was one of our guys that got two weeks for that. Um, definitely I'm bummed Menegola got concussed again, but yeah, I think a fine or a week would have been plenty. It's definitely one of those tackles there but his head didn't hit the ground like it did you wouldn't hear about it at all but because it's head and concussion and now yeah. i feel so big on the con- concussion as they should be it's pretty um pretty much going to be a, a week or a couple of weeks in those instances which is harsh but you know when you're trying to stop these concussions and you sort of got to be pretty harsh sometimes don't you and and it's it's it is just been a bit weird whenever you're doing like real specific metering out of punishments that are very easily measured, and you've you've only got so many variables because we're going in weeks here. You can't go two and a half weeks or, or yeah. half a week, and so when you're doing it that way and you and you compare it, they're saying that is literally half as bad as the Tom Stewart one. Yeah, which it wasn't. It's not. No, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like that. So that's. He's it's just a weird. They they can't they can't avoid it. But when you when you can't incrementally go up, um, you know, in your punishments, you end up looking at it and going, "How are they saying that was?" Like, maybe it's, were they sort of maybe bringing like a, uh, a suspension and a fine on top of that suspension 
Yeah, it should probably be like one week and a couple of grand. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I still go back to the college football thing. You can get suspended for half a game. Yeah. Yeah. Game and a half. So you can come on after half time, you know, yeah. after a game. And then your team's, got, got to, your team's got to choose. Do we do we put you in the lineup and get half a game out of you? Or do we, yeah. do we drop you? Yeah. yeah. Chris but Scott's smart. Also He'd name you as the Medi sub and get you in <laughs> But the only problem is that is, you know, how coaches like to exploit stuff where they go, your turn this week to absolutely pull like someone. So in like two weeks, <laughs> we can have you back. <laughs> It's true. No, but then, but then that person they, gets they four get or the, six weeks. Yeah, yeah. they get their suspension. Right. In fact, they may even get six and a half. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not the same. Like six and a half. Yeah, we're gonna play this this team. We need you for this that half of this very certain game that we're gonna be in. <laughs> well, why? Well, people would be doing that now. Then surely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Maybe that's, that's what it. Did. That's what Zell Zell would told Stuart to do. I had so many fucking questions to add myself, but we didn't get, didn't get a chance to, I know. to talk about any of them. So I'll, I'll, I'll save some. <laughs> Is there any that we can reuse for the preview pod? Uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. All right. Cool. <laughs> Let's do that. that. Let's recycle. Let's do uh, it. <laughs> I'm confident, sure. It's, it's upcycling. Yeah, no, I think so. I did. Yep. No, it'll relate. It's a long term question, but it'll relate to the game ahead. Lovely. Um, yeah. Good stuff. Make, good like stuff. it. Make sure you go and subscribe yeah. to the Chaps Chat Cats on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Give us a five-star rating. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and the Gram. Tell your friends, too. It's the most important way you can help spread the word. Your mouth and word goes a long way. Yeah, and Geelong's doing well again, so it's cool to be into Geelong now, so... <laughs> Go and tell all the Fairweather fans you know to jump on our bandwagon. Come on, bandwagon fans. Get on here now while you can. Yeah. Oh, boy. So we'll probably be back in your ear holes on, I don't know, Thursday, Friday with a a pregame. On a shit time this week, the football. 4.35 on a Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it could be worse. It could be that time on a Sunday. <laughs> Go, cats! Go, cats! Go, cats!